You're listening to The Picard. This is a podcast all about the most amazing show called Star Trek Picard. Boy, we are down to our last two episodes. The first part of a two-part finale, I guess you could say. I'm Dan Benjamin. Hattie Cook, welcome to the show. How Hello. are you? How are you doing today? Good and uh, virus-free. Virus-free. Yes. That's what we want to hear. Keith, uh, how, how are you? I'm always ready to go viral. Always ready to go viral. <laughs> Keith, Keith Ruckus. Hi. And uh, we have a very special in-studio guest today. It is none other than my son, Joel. Joel, welcome to the show. Hello, it's great to be here. You are here, and you are a big reason why you and I have been watching the Picard, because you, mm-hmm. lo- you love TNG, Yeah. you love Star Trek, and when you heard that we were doing the show, the first thing you said was, what, I gotta be on it. Yeah, I think that was one of the first things I said. So we took a vote, and... Uh, I said, no, I said, no, you can't be on it. But Hattie and Keith <laughs> said, yes. So here you are. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Of course I wanted you on the show. So welcome. I said, if there's no Joel, I walk. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. It was part of his contract. <laughs> he had to be on it. So, um, boy, what an episode, Keith. I, I cannot wait for your recap on this. I have been, I, it's all I could think. I couldn't even sleep last night. I was so excited to do that. I'm not even kidding. What a show. But that was an insane episode. An insane episode. So much happened. So much happened. <laughs> I don't want to wait like half a year more for the next season. I, I know. I want them to just release it like a two months later. What's wrong with later? them? Why don't they have an episode every week from now on? Yeah. All right. So as usual, Keith, before you do your reviews and recap, I have some uh, follow-up. Please. Uh, some, some listener email. So I'll, I'll jump in with that. Uh, this one is from Tyler. Hi, Dan- Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Hello, Tyler. <laughs> uh, Dan, Hattie, and Keith, and Joel. He didn't write that, but I'm, a- I'm adding it. I've been listening to the show since the beginning, and there are so, in all caps, many great things I want to say because you all have done such a wonderful job, and each episode is the highlight of my week. I'll try Aww. to keep this short when I could write you a full-scale novel about how happy I am the TNG universe is flowing Aww. again. One. You guys are all so great. There's one, two, three, four O's in the so great. And that's high level greatness. It's one. Thank you. It's one O for each of us. Not Uh, in the show, but I'm the star of it. That's right. Nice, Hattie. Uh, I relate so much to Keith, so involved in the TNG DS9 Voyager era. I once checked out from the library and lost the Star Trek encyclopedia written by the Okudas for over a year when I was a teenager. Uh, It was my Bible. (laughs) Hattie is like my wife, who is also newer to Trek, but who has been watching along and asked so many great questions and sees things from the perspectives of those of us who have been so close to it for many years overlook. That's true. Um, (laughs) Thank you. uh, Yes. Um, Finally, Dan, without you, all the great shows, I would never have known you were doing this without your plugs on Back to Work. See, Hattie, I gotta gotta do that more. I gotta be more like Merlin and plug the stuff that I'm doing. So that people can find out about it. Plug it up. Plug it up. <laughs> Need more listeners. Uh, two, I think it was the very first episode where you guys talked about Star Trek Discovery. And Keith, I believe, was saying that he wasn't that into it and didn't feel very Trek to him. Truth. 
While I would agree that season one was different from what I expected, it's like many Trek shows. The first season lays the groundwork for so much of the character development and is able to succeed so much earlier in your investment to the show because it does not suffer from the episodic nature of the other TV shows. That makes season two one of the best seasons of Trek, and I don't know how they're going to live up to it in season three. I suggest giving it a chance, Dan. I really think you'll enjoy the callbacks or call forwards in this case to the original series. They do it in such a great way, just like in Picard, where there are payoffs and non-J.J. Abramed down your throat like another franchise. (laughs) Also, I'm not saying you guys should go back to do a podcast on seasons of Discovery that have already come out, but there will be a new season of Discovery before there's a new season of Picard, and maybe that'll give you something else to talk about. See, Joel, you weren't weren't here for this, but we've been talking Mm -hmm. about what what shows would we do. You know, in between in now the meantime, and then. I actually had no idea that Discovery was actually still going on. I thought it started way earlier than it actually did. Yeah. So I thought that it, it ended much earlier, but, you know, I haven't seen any episode of it. Yet, right. So. right. I haven't watched any of it at all. Yeah, so me neither. I never know. How, how would I know? Three. <laughs> how would I know? Finally, <laughs> I have so enjoyed Seven being in this series and get as yep. giddy as Keith about the same stuff and was an avid Voyager watcher. I know it's a little late in the game for this series, but for Dan and Hattie, there is pretty good guide that Sci-Fi put together that I think for you... That I'll link for you, and it does an excellent job covering Seven's arc and really contains a lot of the best episodes from the series. My wife and I watched it in preparation for the series, and I'm so glad we did. It provided so much more weight for her, especially the Icheb. And he has the link. Uh, and I'll, My you know wife. What? I will put that into <laughs> the show notes, which are going to be at uh, the Picard, uh, picard.fireside.fm slash nine. Set not seven of times. nine, just nine. Right. <laughs> uh, and so this this article is here on Sci-Fi Wire, and it says the seven of nine binge guide. Mm. So it might not be too late for people to binge on seven of nine, especially. I, I actually think this could go well after we're done uh, watching this, and people could come and watch the backstory. And, uh, and uh, that's it. He says, I'm sorry this got so much longer than I wanted, but I could just keep going and going. Thanks again for the great show. And I also don't want it to end Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, I also think of Hattie as my wife. Aww. Jen, Jen writes in and says, greetings, Dan, Hattie, and Kieth. K-I-E-T-H. Gosh, darn it. Okay. I've been That's my ke- name. I've been catching up listening for a few weeks now and, of course, staying current with STP from the beginning. Now, when I hear STP, I think the motor oil, I think Stone Temple band. Pilots, yeah. and, and now I think we have to think Star Trek Picard. Star Trek I think Rare. we have to yes. adapt. I've, I've been thinking sure. Stone Temple Pilots. Were you? <laughs> Just finished Pizza Table, which is the name of the previous yes. episode, and I have some thoughts from past episodes to share, namely the total miss on Kestra's name when we land on Nepenthe. You guys, you're all awesome and I love you, but I was kind of shocked this didn't come up. Then during Pizza Table, when it did come up via Twitter comment, it was kind of an Oh, uh-huh, from D and H. I guess that's you and that's me, Hattie. Dan and D Hattie, and H. Yeah. But um, didn't I say it, though? Most shocking of all, <laughs> Keith wasn't aware of Deanna's... Yes, you did. Was de- aware of Deanna's sister, Kestra. I almost it fainted. Shocking. Keith, <laughs> I, I find you formidable and bring this up with love. So firstly, let's all commit to going back and watching TNG Dark Page, a full episode dedicated to Deanna and Luxana. 
uh, delving into Mrs. Troy's repressed memory of her firstborn. You remember that one, Joel? Yeah, that was that was a good episode. It was very I, heavy. You know? I enjoyed that one. Yeah. This sets the stage for Deanna's words to Picard on Nepenthe. If something should happen to Kestra, that was the quote. We know she lost Thad, but her words are so much weightier. She experienced via psychic bond with her mother the deep loss and sadness of losing a child. She lost a sister. Then she lost her son. She ju- she can't just lose her daughter, Kestra. She can't lose Kestra again. It's all of that rolled into one that hangs in the air as she tells Picard. It's just that... Okay. Also, Mariana Sirtis is a national treasure, and I will die on that hill. I agree with you. <laughs> Troy too. was the best. The second she put her hand on the door to Thad's room, we knew he had died. Her ability to convey deep emotion with simple gestures is breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Just Agreed. a couple of other thoughts, if I may. Uh, oh, doing, may. doing a mind meld with Jurati <laughs> was assault, right? Not gaining yes. permission is a big no-no, if I'm not mistaken. This speaks to O's character in a big way. Also, Data's last memory would have been of Picard. I think there's something in that causing Dodge to know, to know to seek him out and for Soji to drop in front of him on the cube after being activated and trust enough to, to follow him and for Soji to know that Data loved Picard. Thank you all so much for providing this much-needed connection right now. Oh, and if you need ideas for podcasts between seasons, what about similar-style review of key Star Trek all-shows episodes that fed the story of Picard and how they related? Oh, interesting. That's a good idea. Can't wait for next week. Thanks for reading, Jen. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea. What what was that writer's name? That was Jen. All right, Jen. Look, nobody bats a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're right. I dropped the ball. I didn't. I didn't remember Castro was that was the was the sister's name. That's it. That's all I gotta say. Okay. Um, <laughs> I got defensive. It's early in the morning. Yes, we we I'm made we made Keith wake up very early. Do you uh, remember that time we were supposed to have a lunch and I couldn't even wake up at noon? Oh yes, I do remember that. Phil writes in and says, <laughs> "You should have gone for the four hours." That's the whole email. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's see. Did this one come in? Yes. This is before last week's episode. Hattie, did we do this one? I would hate to redo it. Do an episode. Did we do this? We did this. Yes. We didn't do this one. I just want to make sure because I don't, this is a fresh on, on another show where I do a lot of listener email, I print them. And when I'm done printing them, I delete them and then I crumple it up and throw it away. But with this one, it's all still here in my email. So, uh, Michael writes, hello, all. Just a few things I wanted to share. Your one, your show is a delight. You know what? We could stop there. We don't need to read Done, anymore. The Done. Yep. That's, that's the only important part of it. Uh, but I'll continue. I've listened to some five by five shows in the past, and it's great having Dan and Hattie back in my playlist. Keith is great as well. Two, oh. fun trivia. In the original script for Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, everyone's favorite Star Trek movie. You love that one, yeah. Joel, right? That we, was the first Star Trek movie I showed mm-hmm. you. Didn't we have like the a whole episode of that for the? other we sure did we sure did that we haven't released yet yes it's it's your review of star trek to the wrath of khan i'm just waiting in the wings ready to go <laughs> yeah, I would like yeah, to hear we that. did like five months ago it wasn't that right, long like, i know it feels <laughs> like that it was like three four months ago, it probably though. was you're probably right okay um lieutenant savick was supposed to be a vulcan romulan half-breed this wow. nugget went so far as to make it into the original novelization of the movie, and there is filmed dialogue between Kirk and Spock that admits this, and there is a link to this as a YouTube video that is going right now. Oh, it's like old footage. It is old footage. It is unprocessed, unreleased movie footage that has been released on YouTube. Uh, and so that's in the show notes, too. Uh, but wait, there's more. Originally, when Nick Meyer returned to... Mayer? 
Meyer returned to direct Star Trek uh, VI. The character of Valeris, played by Kim Cattrall, was supposed to be Savick, reprised by Kirstie Alley. She, spoiler, was supposed to be the betrayer in that movie, but the idea was abandoned, possibly because of not getting Alley back, possibly because Roddenberry nixed the idea. This is one of my favorite pieces of Trek trivia, and I think it adds a lot of cool background to this current series. Three, I wanted to echo what Keith said about the conversation and belief in hell in that it immediately reminded me of Picard's monologue from Who Watches the Watchers. At the least, Picard's reaction was very much in character. Care to comment, Keith? Uh, I agree. I'm very insightful. Number four, <laughs> I, all, I would also want to push back a little, though, that humanity and Trek are devoid of religion. I know that Trek has its oh. core in the secular humanism espoused by Gene Roddenberry. The greatness of humanity is emphasized, backed by hard science, leaving other religious philosophies behind or to the side. As a person of faith, my, faith myself, this does make me a little uh, sad a little, and I think there is a lot of good storytelling that is left neglected if these aspects of humanity are not explored. This is why my my favorite Trek series is Deep Space Nine because it explores so many aspects, good and bad, of faith, organized religion, and the concept of God or gods. Further, by a divine com, further from a drive-by comment in Data's Day to Anson Mount's portrayal of Captain Pike in Discovery, there are hints that religion still takes place in some form. It's just not emphasized because that is not what Trek is trying to do. I would, though, love to see Picard wrestle with this in future seasons, personally, because I do think there is rich drama and analysis to be had there. I could say so much more, but I feel like this is long enough. Great show, Michael. P.S. While I see these all over the internet, I have never seen a more perfect place for the I'm not a robot checkbox thing than for this podcast, LOL. Because (laughs) for those who haven't sent us an email, when you fill the contact form, you get a check in I'm I'm not a robot box. That's perfect. It's part of the synth band, you know? Yes, it is. (laughs) And uh, the last and final email... That that uh, oh yes yes so Hattie look get, get I don't want Joel to see that yet because it's going to be a, well he's going to oh see gosh, it and eventually <laughs> but um th- this is not meant to be read on the air but I'm I'm showing this that is um I'm going to read it on the air it wasn't they didn't say not to read it you it's just, just yeah. not it's not it's about the show up, it's a right? follow up the person who sent this is going to be very disappointed oh they will not <laughs> hi Dan not podcast related but if you want to give me a shout out during Picard recap I wouldn't mind hubby and I will be watching episode 9 tonight this was sent yesterday hopefully he won't need too much canoodling so I can focus on the show I was hoping to finish my replication of the three bunny corns this week yes. as my Yay, family baby. and I are all voluntarily trapped in the house and working <laughs> from home but alas one of the bunny corn bases hasn't made it to me yet the giant online retailer says they are currently having shipping delays on all items, include our, including our bunny, and on the sculpting material I was planning on making the horns out of. And the unicorn horns I have on hand aren't the right scale or natural colors. I mean, you never, you know, you have a certain number of unicorn right, horns you know, on hand. They either yeah. fit or they don't. Joel, yeah. I mean, like, I know you've had a lot of problems with your unicorn I know, horns, yeah. you know. Like, I was trying to make a camel corn. Yeah. Nothing fit, <laughs> nothing fit. And yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't find one the right size. Right color, right size, yeah. But wanted you to know I've been working on the two I have so far. And once their sibling gets here and I can finish them, I'll get them sent to you by way of Keith as soon as I can. Live long and prosper, Sandy. And so I have... Oh. The for me, Joel, I'm going to tilt this. You don't know about this yet, but one of our listeners is making bunny corns for us. Oh, wow. So, not for you. I, I, no, <laughs> I know. I'm fine with that. So, get out of town. All right. And You're with that, give one to me somehow. You I'm will, I will let you hold it for five minutes. Okay. 
and then you return probably only be able to like see it once or twice we can't let your sister see it because i'll never get it back if she sees it yes done definitely we cannot we can't let her know of it of it she'll just usurp it and take it i know keith are you having uh your earl gray uh i am chugging coffee (laughs) that's your old gray today (laughs) way too early in the morning for me as uh as we are about to begin keith's recap which i i expect will be as good as always even though you're just waking up of uh, course it'll be better join us all for a simultaneous toast and sip cheers joel to the uh virtual toast to you virtual toast to you keith and to our listeners as we all take a sip of earl gray decaf like like uh, jean-luc picard jl as i call him well i'm not decaf you guys are we're not doing decaf no it's not but (laughs) (laughs) so wait are you all in the studio no of course not Am I the only one that's being social? No, distanced? everyone's socially distanced from you. Mm-hmm. This is rude. Okay, you know. uh, one review. Oh yes, uh, one iTunes review. Week. Oh, uh, and I had one a Twitter feedback when you're done with that. Okay, this was a five star review from D Kumaria, and it, it, the title is excellent. It just says candid, smart, no stark commentary from a crew of true fans. That's it. That's all we need. Yep. That's it. Succinct. I love it. To the point. And keep in Perfect. mind, we are not able to read our international reviews because we're all stuck here in America in the American oh, iTunes. Right. So if there are international oh. reviews coming in, we just don't see them. The it's re- not that we don't want to read yours. It's that we can't see them. The well, reviews that's sad. are being quarantined. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so there could be a whole bunch that say is good, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, all, good, th- all <laughs> three of us are about to heck? sound like total nincompoops <laughs> because we did not get yeah this. that were and i feel like my latin uh background not latin but latin actual latin uh is um <laughs> i had no idea you were of latin I was origin of latin origin no um but uh i should have gotten this and this i'm i failed yes. everything okay so mauricio ortolani writes in and says remember how all three of us were sitting there saying what is uh, Rios's obsession with these mermaids? mermaids? Why is that all these mermaid statues? Mermaid statuettes <laughs> equals La Serena. La Serena is the siren, the siren which is a mermaid. We're all oh so dumb. <laughs> oh my gosh. The biggest Joel, fail we've ever Joel, even you didn't had. get it. I didn't get it. I mean, <sighs> I'm not even that Welcome. good at Spanish. I mean. I would have put it. Through, I would have put it through Google Translate, but I didn't feel like it. No, so yes. I never did, and I forgot the name like instantaneous after I thought of doing it. Yeah. Oh, what an upsetting uh, turn of events! Well, yeah. thank you to that listener, Mauricio. Thank you. All right, Keith. Mauricio, keep your comments to yourself. <laughs> Just kidding. Please write in. All right, you guys ready? We are ready. Oh, and if listeners want to write in, Picard at 5x5.tv or picard.fireside.fm, click contact, send us your feedback. We've got to have it, especially after last night's episode. And, and this gonna, show. Oh I my want God. a lot for the finale. I want a lot. I want to break. You a know, lot. if you've had this any thoughts stuff. about it, you've got to email it. Please send it in. Please. Okay, Keith. All right, I'm going to start off by saying I, I, I won't say I did not enjoy this episode, but so far this is the episode I have enjoyed the least. Interesting. Not Very what I was expecting to hear. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely we're not gonna, what I was expecting to hear either. We're going to start off present day, which is amazing, because so far the vast majority, if not all the episodes, have started somewhere in the past. Right. 14 so now, weeks ago, 14 million years ago. Seven years yeah. ago. Right. Yeah. But now we are 
I mean, we're we're so far into the action that we're 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 skipping the flashbacks. Here we go. We are on the La Serena, which I just found out means the siren, mm-hmm. uh, and we are inside a Borg transwarp conduit. Uh, Gerardi is under her desk in her quarters, and she does not like the spatial turbulence at all. <laughs> I love that. I want to point out that I thought the travel through the transwarp conduit was one of the best travel effects I've ever seen in a Star Trek because those flashes of light felt to me like they were going through different star systems. It, yes. It looked like hyperspace. Yeah, it really yeah. did. Like that, yeah. it, gave me, it reminded me of that yeah. a lot. It was crazy. Yeah, you really got that, that sense of jumping from one to the next instead of just one kind of long right. tunnel. It was, it was so really cool. nice. It looked engineered right. in a way, uh-huh. and it was, and yeah. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every flash of light to me I thought was a different star, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, uh, on the bridge, Soji is very excited. Rios is looking like a badass, and Picard looks like he is a mix of unsurety, but also kind of thrill. Like, hey, we're finally getting yeah, something because I, done. Like, like it seems like Keith space travel is like not not something everyone does, but it's also not a big deal. But I think I got the sense from Picard's expression that like he's thinking this is pretty cool. This is something <laughs> I haven't done before. Right. I mean, he's done a lot. He's done it all. He's seen suns exploding. He's seen you name it. This was a first for him. And I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, just he, everything he does is great. Everything Patrick Stewart does is perfect. They emerge from the <laughs> they emerge from the conduit at the synth home world, which we find out uh, again is in the Gullian system, is in the fourth planet. The Romulan fleet is not within scanning range, so they went very far very quickly, despite the Romulan fleet kind of having the jump on them. Uh, Gerardi emerges from her quarters onto the bridge and wonders why they aren't at DS12 because nobody told her they weren't going to DS12, but is distracted by the planet. And she's like, oh, what's that? Soji says the planet is called Capelius. Right. All of a sudden, she's accessing these new memories, I guess. Oh, yeah. They just keep flooding back to her the whole time. Uh, Red alert klaxon goes off, which sounds exactly like the klaxon from TNG, which I adored. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense to me that I imagine on on a ship like Rios's that you can, much like a ringtone, change the sound of your klaxon. Right. Right. Uh, And he probably felt more comfortable or at least has... A more emotional reaction to a Starfleet red alert than anything else. Yeah, I he agree. screams the words "puta madre," which is my favorite curse uh, on the series so far. Uh, and <laughs> and their tail is back. Uh, the ship that's been following them. Rios activates the ship's seatbelts, uh, which I love because that's a callback to we we've we've seen these very sparingly. Uh, my favorite instance of the seatbelt is when it's a deleted scene from Star Trek. Um, uh, don't help me. I'm not going to because I don't know. <laughs> Nemesis. You... It's a deleted scene from Nemesis when uh, Picard, is, well, they're re-fixing re- the Enterprise-E after the fight with Shinzon. And Riker is introducing Picard to his new first officer, but also tries out the seatbelts on the bridge for the first time. And they kind of pop out the same way. I also feel like they're in Star Trek Discovery. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't think um, I had ever oh, seen seatbelts before. And I was like, they what? Will. I know. <laughs> no, I know they're in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, the tail, uh, they, they they all imagine that the tail, who is we know is Narek in the ship, uh, must have extrapolated their position. And there is a big firefight. Um, they seemingly disable his cloaking device, but it was a trick. And like, I'm, I kept trying to figure out why they put that part of the battle in. But it's more like just to point out that like, Everything Narek does is a lie. Like even in a battle, like he pretends to be hurt, right? But he isn't. 
Now, one um, thing I, I, I had, I made a note here. <clears throat> the uh, La Serena, and I hadn't noticed this before, and I don't know if it was because um, because of the angles that they showed or, or what, but when you see this thing uh, flying around, did it not look, and guys, I'm going to, I mean, no one's here in the studio, I'm alone because we're social distancing, but guys, look at this. It does, does the La Serena's paint job not look a lot like Eddie Van Halen's 5150 guitar? So. Yeah, it does. It, it does look like it. Did, yeah. Am I the only one to notice that? Have you thought that before? I, I think I remember vaguely thinking like that looks kind of like some kind of guitar. But yeah. I didn't know which one. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely does. I'm going to look Have for a picture. Have you guys driven past the, uh, the building in Austin that everyone says looks like Van Halen's guitar off 35? Do you know what I'm talking about? Which uh, which part of 35? Where would where? So like downtown, there's a hotel that's like red and then like the white like random stripe. It looks yes. Everyone I says have it's seen just like, that. But every time I drive past that building, I'm like, oh, there's the La Serena, and I keep driving. <laughs> oh, that is but so yeah, cool. Same thing. Uh, but yeah, spot on. Definitely looks like that. It also like the shape of it is very much like the Vulcan shuttle we see in the original series uh, series movies, um, uh, and also like in this episode it's the first time we really get a gauge of how big it is because there's people standing outside in my head yeah. i'm like is right. it the size of a runabout is it the size of the delta flyer is it the size of the defiant what is it and it does to me just look like a giant runabout yeah that's what it looks like to me uh where we uh the fight is going poorly as it's raging on but a board cube emerges from the transwarp conduit oh. and is powering its weapons yeah. that was insane and i love rios's comment where he's like that's unexpected yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, like my first thought was how the heck did it even fit through? right it I looked know. like it was busting <laughs> through the edges like we, f we find out later but yeah. it was so yeah. cool and yeah. i joel you and i both shouted whoa, whoa. when that happened yeah. it was so cool that's right. Well, you remember the Borg created the transwarp conduits. They know how to do them. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, well, they probably didn't create them. They probably assimilated. Neither here nor there. All of a sudden, five objects are coming from the surface. One each for the two or small ships and get enveloped, and three go after the Borg cube. What do they look like, Hattie? Giant orchids. Uh, I was like, okay, this is not as subtle as some no. of the other flower. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I, I also remember like when. I first saw them. I was like wondering, are they like creatures or are they like ships? Right, I, I couldn't tell either. Or, like, or are they robots? Are right, they because we have seen there is precedent in TNG for organic life forms in space. So right. I thought Absolutely. the same thing. Yeah, I think they're just genetically engineered flowers with a very special uh, goal. But mm -hmm. so uh, the, the the flower, the one orchid uh, covers the La Serena and is now. Uh, it's now in pitch blackness. It has drained all the power out of the ship and is bringing it down towards the planet. At which point, good old Admiral slash Captain Picard has passed out in his seat, slumped back, and says, "Thank you for coming, everyone," and then goes unconscious. Yeah, credits. I was like, Picard, no, no, no credit. So I, what? I thought he was being like possessed or something. I at thought first. that I thought too. he was too. Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. Picard wakes up after the intro credits in sick bay after flashbacks from the beginning of the season where uh, the, his former doctor asks him if he still wants to go out into space. And he says more than ever. Gerardi is taking care of him, but without power. 
there's no scanners on the ship. Everything is internal in the ship. So she says she finds an old school tricorder, which is really just the tricorder that we know and love. I was going to say. <laughs> uh, and that, that really speaks to how automated the La Serena is. Like, at, like without power, nothing happens. Even they say that there's... And I've always thought about this ship. There's no windows on the ship, but we find out that there are ships. They're just shuttered. They're, uh, yeah. Rios has specifically, and again, that speaks to Rios's personality. He's kind of distancing, his social distancing himself. Yes. He's even in away space. From everyone else. Even in yeah. space, he's worried about getting the coronavirus. Exactly. <laughs> yes, it, it would be the, the same thing as, as like, uh, you know, a college kid putting aluminum foil up on his windows to keep the right. light out because he's, you know, trying to uh trying to keep his privacy i thought it was like the same yeah. thing you know a hundred percent so they have opened a shutter in sick bay just to let some light in uh as gerardi is speaking to picard about the scans like it becomes clear that she's like maybe the tricorder is just old because uh there's something wrong with your brain and he's very calm about it uh and he, he's just like there's nothing wrong with the with the tricorder and then she starts getting very upset and is on the verge of tears Picard comes to the bridge and tells them his immediate plan is to take Soji and go to the synth colony and warn them about uh, the uh, the impending Romulan fleet coming and then casually drops that he has aromatic sy- uh, syndrome and that is a terminal diagnosis that he hasn't had symptoms before. But uh, I guess now they're coming and says, do not treat me like a dying man or you will run the risk of pissing me off. <laughs> that, that, was uh, my, is, that was my favorite line in the entire episode. <laughs> yeah, that was great. The closest we've come to seeing him curse. Uh, and it was very tongue in cheek. And I like that he is so blase nonchalant about his terminal illness. They all give updates on what's going on with the ship and in the area. Soji has more memories flooding back to her. Uh, and she knows that they are only five or six kilometers away from the colony and that she has definitely been there before. Gerardi asks Soji if the synths are going to hate them. And Soji replies, they're more like how data is described. They're curious and they're free of bias. Rio says, I think they're pretty biased because they attacked my shit without asking my name. Um, Rafi is estimating that the Romulans will be there in about a day or two. So Picard leaves the bridge to get ready and all the rest of the crew share a knowing look after just having this bomb dropped on them that the Picard is have, it has a terminal disease. Rafi arms them before they head out. And as the five crew members leave the La Serena, they see smoke coming off in the distance and postulate that it must be the cube. Picard says they should go check for Hugh and Eleanor, uh, despite a very, um, low chance that they're alive and the opposite direction of the cube. Uh, Gerardi asks if they should split up. Soji says they should all stick together. Um, and so they all just go to the cube. <clears throat> and There's when, a lot of alien foliage on this planet. When, when there was that shot though of the, of the cube, uh, like when they were going to it, it, I uh, thought that it was going to be like a lot bigger than it actually was. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot smaller than I expected. Yeah, once you saw people next to it. Yeah, yeah. right. Kind so of the opposite of, of the La Serena, of right? Yeah. There, there are scout cubes, regular board cubes, and tactical cubes, and mm-hmm. they are different sizes. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they're all there are smaller than like the giant one we saw when we first encountered the Borg in right. TNG. That's, I that's did why. not know so that. This was just a smaller yeah. cube. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, the crew speculate the flowers didn't give them as so- uh, didn't give the cube as soft a landing because it was too big and it wasn't built for that. Because when we get to the Borg cube, it is kind of like a smashed, like like an accordion almost smashed mm-hmm. in. 
smoldering. Uh, they get inside the cube. Inside the XBs are all working very calmly uh, on fixing the cube. One uh, recognizes Picard as Lacutus, <laughs> and we see Picard kind of go back into his very uncomfortable stance. And he, I, I can also see on his face that he is uncomfortable with the crew seeing how afraid he is. Uh, right. But then is saved in that moment uh, by Eleanor popping out and being, Picard, you're alive. <laughs> and so excited. They share an embrace. Seven of Nine comes in, and I quote, hot and sassy. Yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> Asks if, they're to cl- if Picard's there to clean, help clean up or to make more messes. <laughs> she explains that while she was connected to the cube, she sensed the ships in the conduit and the ship that's after him and decided that he needed help. So they went after her to help him. Picard laments Hugh's death for a very small amount of time before he asks what the XBs are doing. I know. Seven, <laughs> I know. He deserved more than that. Uh, Picard, uh, the, uh, Seven tells Picard that they're using batteries to get the systems back online because the flowers also obviously took all the power off the cube. Uh, Picard gets really excited and says, what else can they do? And uh, Seven's like, well, what do you need? Why we can, it's a board cube. We'll fix anything. Uh, and then uh, he asks for long-range scanners. Rafi gets into the long-range scanners and sees that there are 218 Romulan warbirds coming to the planet. Rios is sarcastically optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Only really have to worry about the first 109. <laughs> right. That's a lot of warbirds. Definitely. Do you uh, think Picard, that that's all of the warbirds? Like all of them? All of them? All of that everything fleet? they got left. Like everything they've like, got left. Everything Probably. that isn't like a scattered uh, colony. We yeah. learned in DS9 when, uh, so uh, in Deep Space Nine, there is a gigantic war where the uh, Federation, Klingons, and Romulans are all on one side, and the Dominion, Cardassians, and Breen are another. And we do kind of learn that the Romulan fleet is not as big as they purported to be. Uh, well, like I mean, big surprise, the Romulans yeah. lied about something. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure, like they always want to come off as the big bad. They're but very they deceiving, really, though. They are deceiving, but they really aren't the powerhouse that they think they are. So that's, that's the little thing. So 218 absolutely might be the remnants of the entire Romulan fleet, at least ones that aren't like scattered colonies right. somewhere else. Picard is saying goodbye to Elnor again. Uh, uh, Elnor says that this goodbye is worse because Picard is dying and Picard gives Agnes Gerardi a very knowing look that she had spilled the beans. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Agnes Gerardi spilled the beans. <laughs> that's that's what I wrote on my notes. Um, and then we find out that Elnor is going to stay behind to defend the XBs because they need a defender more. Uh, Seven of Nine is also staying behind because she's going to try and get the defensive systems of the cube together. Picard says to Elnor that he is very, very proud of him. And I cry because all I want in life is a father like Jean-Luc Picard to tell me that I'm proud of me. Aww. <laughs> this is the most beautiful moment. I'm like, this is wonderful. Seven tells him to, uh, Seven tells Picard to keep saving the galaxy, a callback to the earlier episode when Seven is kind of like, downtrodden about hope and optimism and says Picard, you know, we still need Picard to think that there's hope in the galaxy that he can save it when really everything's dark and bleak. So now she's kind of turning around on that. He says to both Eleanor and seven of nine that it's on you basically now it's on you now. Like you have to save the galaxy. The crew is now at the synth colony, all five. It is modern and it is beautiful and kind of looks like a, like a resort. And you know what? I, I, yeah, I, one of my notes I put, it reminded me a lot of like Rubicon 3 from 
season eight, I think of season one, season, episode eight, mm-hmm. or like season one, episode eight. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's right. that's the planet where everyone's beautiful. Yeah, and yes. they're running around, like, and and like, if you if you step off the path, you get the death penalty, and Wesley <laughs> got the like, death penalty. The, the men also, I don't think a lot of them weren't wearing shirts as well. So right, like, there's a lot well, of similarities between them. Right, if you're oh, there is a lot of them. Yeah, it is a uh, 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 spot on, Joel. It is like a callback almost to TNG era, where we kind of find like these pockets of like human colonies where everyone kind of looks human, maybe a little bit different, but everything's beautiful and wonderful, and it's it's tropical like, no matter what. So, absolutely, uh, the crew is not the Sakan is mine, beautiful. They are all in awe, and Soji is very elated. In the synth colony, there are everyone is wearing comfy clothes. And are beautiful, as I said. Um, That's the dream. Some are doing martial art. Some are playing. I thought that they looked like the men, though, were like in a prison because they had like orange jumpsuits on, it looked like almost. Yeah, it did look like that. I I actually thought that. And then I was thinking about it and I thought maybe that's even a reference to like Buddhist monastic uh, people who always wear orange. Mm hmm. Also, the uh, the sense in the very beginning when we see them working at Mars, they're all wearing orange jumpsuits. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Maybe some, yeah. some. And there def- definitely was some resemblance between Fate, F8, and mm-hmm. these guys a little Number, bit. Yeah. They showed two guys that looked identical, and I was like, oh, they both reminded mm-hmm. me of F8. So mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, some of them are playing uh, hollow 3D chess, which is a callback to every single Star Trek ever where they play 3D chess. Mm-hmm. Some are just lounging around. Many of them are sets of twins, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, one of them approaches Soji. Soji immediately recognizes her as Arcana. She has golden eyes just like Data's. I love that. I know. Yeah, that was, Data, that was awesome. Arcana recognizes Picard as Data's captain and says that she is surprisingly moved, which makes me think that everyone here is made of Data's neurons. No okay. reaction. Well, That's just my thought. I liked the idea that Data was living on through all through of everyone. these. I thought it was interesting that it seems like the older synths ha- <clears throat> excuse me, had more Data-ish appearance. Right. Sure. Where like Soji doesn't have the eyes, she doesn't have the skin, right, nothing. Right, right, right. And, and that made me start to wonder, were, you know, Soji is obviously... Or, or I, I shouldn't say obviously, my impression was that she was the latest model. Right, right. And right. that um, and that Sutra and Jana uh, jo- mm-hmm. uh, were yeah. the kind of first models, yeah, resembling like, Data the most. Mm-hmm. They had skin yeah. that was not human. Like kind of glittery. Yeah. Right. You know? and, and the Data I, eyes. You yeah, thought like, so too? Like, why would you start with someone that looks human and then make someone that looks like an android? Aren't you trying to make them Great look point. human? Exactly. exactly. And so I thought that... Um, for me, when I was watching this, I was thinking, okay, so like the newer models, but also it seemed like the newer models being less obviously Android, less synth, that they might be more easily accepted into society because they pass completely almost as if they were designed to pass as humans, whereas nobody's going to hide the fact they're synths. Correct. And, and they didn't really, I don't. I didn't pick up on the fact that if they addressed that in the show, I didn't notice it or I didn't pick up on it. But, you know, it. I just thought that was interesting that as the work was going and they were, quote unquote, perfecting the design, that you now have someone who is, for all intents and purposes, completely human, mm-hmm. uh, outwardly anyway, um, and apparently scannable 
as human as well. Um, and that made me wonder if there was a fundamental difference between uh, a synth like Soji and a synth like Sutra in uh, other than visual visual like were they made differently mm -hmm. as well and what i don't want to jump ahead so i'm not going to say anything but, else, I, lo but I love the idea that that everyone's core is data i just love that yeah, i thought so that was cool. really sweet yeah. so cool because data is everyone's favorite character mm -hmm. i i hope uh, arcana starts touching picard's face and is super weird about it uh again <laughs> i she starts touching like uh, his lines. Oh, hang on, Keith. It, that's the same thing I do every time I see you. It's not that weird. <laughs> it's a little weird. Okay. I just, I'll stop. I just allow it because I like doing. We podcasts. are social distancing, so right. I will stop. <laughs> but yeah, just for now. Come back in May and touch my face. All right. You uh, got she it. speaks about the line and wrinkles of his face and imply that they that they imply the grief and hardships he's been under, which makes me think that she must remember him and like in her programming as a younger Picard. Oh, because yeah. as we said, like her their like Data's memories of Picard will not be that old, so it must be jarring the first time to see him much older and much more weathered. Mm -hmm. She she then after stating all this says marvelous which if you remember is the first word we ever hear data say in the next generation oh no really i I, I, yeah. I did not i did know not know that nice when catch we, it's, it's been so long since i've seen the first episode i, so know. I don't know i after like when data is in the holodeck trying to whistle <laughs> and he's trying to whistle pop goes the weasel and Riker comes up to him for the first time and finishes it he turns and goes marvelous Aww. and then talks about how he wishes that he could whistle better uh, Arcana says that uh, asks what news they are bringing and they tell them all about the impending Romulan fleet they ask how many of the orchids they have they said they had 15 now they have 10 they can grow more but obviously we find that later not at a very expedited rate someone is pushing through the crowd uh, and approaching and then we see a face that looks very very <gasps> familiar Yay! that looks like it might be a clone is it data right. very human looking who is it it's basically data without makeup on or Brent <laughs> Spiner without makeup on and Picard says he said he feels like he's looking at data the person replies if data had gotten old and gone soft which is something that Brent Spiner says all the time right, right about himself right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as to why he can't play data anymore. right during, during the intro because it said it said special guest Brent Spiner right and we were you like, noticed that what and then it was like oh, I didn't catch and we were that. like I thought that he wasn't going to be in the show anymore that's right that's what they said yeah and but so i guess they meant data wasn't they meant be data the wasn't going to be <laughs> he's going to be in the show but and i data. thought that was really interesting because right away i was like wait that's dr noonan soon is is like a thousand years old right, by I was now like, why does he look so him. good yeah. but of course he had a he got busy and had a son in addition yeah. to data and lore and whoever else well, before we, well we knew it couldn't be soon because he well, we already, saw him yeah. die, and he I'm was, like, "How are they yeah. going to ret? Are they going to retcon his death?" Yeah. He, was like, he was already super old, and we saw him get killed. So we like there there wasn't have been a chance, and that was like that was, that took place like 30 years ago in like that time period or something. Yeah, right? yeah, or, yeah. And so he couldn't have lived. He would have been. He's right now. He probably would have been like 120. Yeah, if I he think was you're still right. Alive. Yeah, or older. Yeah, even older. <laughs> the oldest guy in history so i would i i was i had mixed feelings about this what did what were your thought feelings on this keith uh we are introduced to dr alton Inigo sung a mad scientist and for the first time watching the show i feel the snark rise up in me i hate this oh. i hate it because in star trek enterprise they introduce brent spiner as a different sung 
I think I remember that. He is like basically like uh, I think he's either uh, Noonien Sung's father or grandfather, depending mm-hmm. on the time. But I, I think it's lazy. I think uh, I'm sick of being introduced to in different songs. I'm sick of them all <laughs> looking exactly the same. I think there was a way to write this better than having be him be son. He could have been a new synthetic Android. He could have been an Android mm-hmm. that's very, very old or a synth that's very, very old. Mm-hmm. There was, so many ways to do this than just a lazy, almost Star Warsian way of writing in. They could have brought my back son. like B four or something. Like that, that would have made more like, sense. Well, if he didn't want to play an android, that's fine. You could, but yeah. making him, especially because we're about to find out about mind transfer and synth stuff. Like it didn't right. need to be his son. Yeah, yeah. but like, we find out since the son. Like I was so. happy that Brent Spiner was back in the show, but like I also thought that the it kind of the way they did the it the way that they brought him back. yeah right okay now again if this is my biggest problem with the show it's still amazing it's incredibly written just because it's my least favorite episode doesn't mean it's an not incredible episode i just don't like the fact that he's noonian sung's son That's okay it. now there's some very interesting trivia that keith i'm assuming you know but that uh i i bet a lot of people don't know and there are a lot of characters in well not a lot there are several characters in Star Trek, both the original series and uh, Next Generation and apparently other places, too, that have a name like this. They're not always yep. this. And so yep. if you look back to um, to Space Seed in the original series and then the Wrath of Khan movie, um, Khan's full name, reading this from the Wikipedia article, Khan's full name was based on that of Kim Noonien Singh. A pilot Gene Roddenberry served with during the Second World War. Roddenberry lost touch with his friend and had hoped that Khan's similar name might attract his attention and renew his old acquaintance. And it did. Yes. So Wait, really? It worked? Yeah. That's crazy. So the original name for Khan was Kim Noonien Singh. Uh, Khan, and then then so now we have Noonien Sung, the doctor who Mm -hmm. makes uh, uh, data. And and on and on. Right. Now there are more of them. What did you think, Hattie? What did, what was your? I mean, I I think I agree with Joel. Uh, I liked I liked the fact that Brent was back because it's always fun to see Data in any capacity, you yeah. know, and and be able to be on the show. And I knew that you know he didn't want to come back as Data or retcon his death or anything like that. So it was fun to see him. I think it was kind of like a oh they kind of found a way to get him on the show in a way, and it wasn't the most seamless but i still enjoyed it so. i'll also <laughs> add this i first of all i'm a huge brent spiner fan Me too. i will never complain or, about any screen time that he's given under any name or any character of any kind i don't care i love him i want to see him all the time i wish data was in every freaking episode of this show well but me too fine he's not this is a, an okay way to have him come back but i will i will say this do you feel, Keith, that it was a little bit of kind of a, an attempted fan service in a way? Because yes, there that's was, the feeling that there I got. was no reason yeah. that it had to be a Dr. Soong there. It could have been any other doctor or even yeah. no doctor. But you know I, what I mean? I, so I don't know. I definitely feel like that was fan really? service in some way. Yeah. 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 I don't know, but prob- I feel like, yeah, that, that yeah. was just to make some people happy. It made me happy, but yeah. I felt like it was also fan service. Yeah. <laughs> so it worked. Yeah, like, it I almost really want to say lazy writing, but it's not. I think it was just a misstep. And again, like 
you can disagree with us and you can write in and like maybe I am like getting a little too you know snarky Star <laughs> Trek fan but to me just because they they just did this on Enterprise like they just brought Brent Spiner back as a different song like for them all to be so identical to me is absurd one and so it's you know it's done like we don't need any more songs yeah I mean I Joel you I think if if people were to look at us, they would know we were related. They would guess you were my son. We look alike, yeah. but you are not an identical clone of <laughs> yeah, me like, in every way. Like, I, yeah, it doesn't make sense because like our how, hair is like, different. How could how could like if he has a son? It's kind of crazy that his son looks, sounds, and basically like thinks exactly like yeah. al- thinks almost exactly yeah. like his yeah. dad. You know, and it could be kind of cool to like clone myself and have yeah, like, like a junior Dan I guess, running around. I guess he had some kind of like problem with his body that made so whenever he has a child, it's just him it's again. Just, it's him. He, he somehow <laughs> very strong fine. genetics. He has, a way, he has a way to clone himself exactly. Right. Just when he when it's he's how having he a child. Lives on. <laughs> yeah. All, All right, right. Moving on. Moving on. Continue his legacy. Uh, new, uh, the new. Sung uh, the mad who also introduced himself as a mad scientist, which I did really like. Uh, notices that Picard seems a little uh, out of sorts, and he's like, "Hey, get this man some water. Bring him somewhere to rest. Um, you know, he's 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 old like me." Uh, so Picard goes off for a crap and a nap, and uh, the rest of them go to fill in <laughs> Sung and the <laughs> and a few cents. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere, a synth approaches. Uh, as as he's like kind of sitting at a table and resting and stuff, um, after the rest have filled in, sung in the sense about everything that's been going on, a synth approaches Picard from the back and says, Admiral Picard, and he turns around and looks at her and goes, of course. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Sung tells the other crew that um, Bruce's plan was probably too dangerous and might have attracted too much attention, and they are interrupted with Picard and this new synth. And we look, and it looks, and she looks just like Soji, except with the bronze skin and mm-hmm. the golden eyes. So almost a data version of Soji. Uh, Rios uh, immediately uh, recognizes her as Janna, but Sung cre- corrects him and says this is Sutra, her mm-hmm. sister. Uh, I call her gold Soji. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I mean, that uh, makes sense. Uh, I, I also want to point out that uh, we know that songs, when naming their androids, tend to have like puns. Mm-hmm. And if you put the two sisters together, she'd be called the Jana Sutra. Ah. <laughs> uh, Joel, if you're not uh, aware, there is a book called the Kama Sutra. He's not ready for that book quite yet. Are you? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. Well, don't look it up on the internet then. But well, then uh, Jana why do you Su- mention it to me? Think <laughs> don't before, worry about it. Think before you speak. Never. <laughs> Uh, there, now there is a recording for when you're older that you can go back. But uh, every time they say Sutra, now that's the only thing I can think about. Sutra wants to experience the admonition through Jurati. Sutra, um, and I'm like, I'm like, how? But Sutra theorizes that the admoni- admonition is intended for synthetic minds, right, not that, that, for uh-huh. human minds. Right. So yeah. all that's right. Why, yes, and that's why yeah. they were dying that's why when they did the crazy. They, yeah. weren't, they weren't even supposed. It was to see not it. It supposed. It was they not for them. Enough. Right. Yeah. And I get so excited when something I think about this show is actually right because it happens so infrequently. But I said that is not built for normal people. Mm-hmm. You nailed uh, it, say it. That's right. Sutra has been learning all about Vulcans, apparently, and taught herself to mind meld, which I thought was um, weird. But then I also thought, well, if you can genetically create 
organic people, you could probably replicate, you know, like Vulcan parts or maybe, right. you know, well, like- and, and, and also, um, this is not the first time that a, a synth or an Android has executed successfully a Vulcan type thing. If you remember data right, was taught yeah. the Vulcan neck pinch from yes. Spock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He sure was. So there is precedent for this in the mm-hmm. universe. Well, and I mean, there's since I feel like they have a higher learning capacity than a human a would. Perfect so learning capacity. Yeah. Thought. But like it, that makes sense, like how they could learn stuff like that. But it also doesn't make sense to me because you'd think because like it would only work for that race because something built into their brain, right? But I guess since they're androids, they can like somehow Change modify and, their right, like, mm-hmm. like genetics. Yeah. You know, I can see that. Uh, Song gets really excited. He like he starts almost bragging about uh, Sutra, saying that she uh, taught herself to mime out. She reads the teachings of Surak. Uh, Sirak is uh, a callback to uh, the original series. We find out that he's basically one of the founders of modern logic in Vulcan society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also I, I went back and did it a couple times, but if you have the captions on for CBS All Access, mm-hmm. instead of Sirak, they say Sarek. Right, I saw oh, I that, saw. Yeah. and I, I was like, yeah, I noticed that too because I, I have to have I'm like subtitles on everything subtitles for me. I'm, forever. I'm old now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same. But uh, they said Sarek, who is Spock's father, uh, and I just thought that was interesting that, you know, a company that makes Star Trek, you know, like, mix the two characters. Anyway, yeah. and says that she plays the Ka'ath, I can't even pronounce it, Ka'athira, which is a Vulcan loot, which we've seen in other Star Trek properties Isn't that what Spock well. plays? Yes, correct. Um, Bitter drags, Keith. Good memory. Good memory. Uh, Rios tries to stop them because uh, I think he adores Gerardi and is afraid of like, you know, the admonition affecting her poorly again. But Gerardi says she has to do this and she melds, uh, with, and so Sutra mind melds with Gerardi and surprise, the admonition is not a warning against synths. It's a warning for synths. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Big twist. <laughs> Great in the warning. Love that. I love that. That reveal to me was so cool. It made so much more sense. And of course, the Romulans have it wrong because they're all paranoid. Right. Of course, they're (laughs) in the course. The Romulans think this is a message for us. Yeah. Like they're just so selfish. Stop being selfish, Romulans. Seriously. You guys need to just stop. (laughs) In the admonition, we see a massive amount of Earth imagery, uh, which is. So bizarre to me, and I hope is explained. We see a Vitruvian man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see uh, basically android robots in like Earth style suits. Lots of a lava. Synth- lots of lava. A synth- well, that could be any planet. But That's true. A, a synthetic with a command, like Alliance Federation symbol in their eye, and then more data gold eye in- imagery. Mm-hmm. And then we find out there is a synthetic Alliance or Federation. In the galaxy that wants to help other synths. Right. That's a huge reveal again. That's crazy. I mean, uh, to me, this this was very interesting because I thought that um, I thought that there would have been a more awareness of this. Right. You know, like in in because like. There's a lot of the galaxy that we don't know about in this mm-hmm. universe. There's different quadrants and we don't know about a lot of it. But this is the first time we've heard about this. But then you find out, Keith, I don't want to take your thunder away, but that these androids, these synth beings are out there waiting for a signal. So they're not it, they kind of said, well, they're watching, but they're not They're They're almost it's almost like if you go back to the original story of 2001, 
the Arthur C. Clarke short story called Sentinel. Um, and I'm spoiling both the short story and parts of 2001 now. Well, I've already yeah. seen them. I've I know already you're... seen 2001, but I have not read the other short stories. So. Well, one of the things that, and this is not really giving anything that important to weigh because you find this out in the first few minutes of 2001 anyway, but that these monoliths that are discovered, uh, first one is on the moon. Um, after it is discovered, it sends out a message far out into space. We don't know where it goes, but basically the monolith was a test for human beings to say, once you have reached the, uh, once you have reached the point in development to have space travel, get to another planet, be able to excavate something on another planet. Mm -hmm. And in other words, it's a test of humanity saying you've reached a point. We're now going to be interested in you. So we're, you have triggered the alarm basically that says you're now a space going race. This is almost the same kind of thing. It's like once synths are developed and get to the certain point where they then find this place and can send this signal, then they're ready for the, Mm -hmm. to be brought into this federation. Yeah. I do yeah. see a similarity in that now that you've mentioned mm-hmm. it. I yeah. didn't Con- continue, Keith. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, no, please. Uh, they want uh, the in the admonition we find that this other federation. I'll, I'm going to keep calling it new federation of synths wants to help other synths. At the end of the mind meld, Sutra looks at uh, Gerardi and says, "Fascinating in a very data style right. way." Yes, yeah, that, very. That's that data's was, DNA. That was great. <laughs> Was, in other parts dated. of the colony, Gerardi follows a large butterfly into Sung's laboratory. There are also other large butterflies in cases. Uh, Sung mentions that he missed butterflies, so he made one. So we know he is an incredible genetic engineer. Yes, I thought yeah. that was sweet, too. Sung and Gerardi talk about Maddox, and in a really interesting and wonderful way, Sung says, uh, you know, like you owe the universe a great debt. He was a light in the darkness and he was a very special mind. And the best way to kind of, you know, pay homage to him is to con- continue the work. And then he pulls the sheet off the thing that he's working on and she refers to it as a golem, which yeah. I have not heard in Star Trek yet. And uh, I, and I wondered a, why I've did she write away? magical things. Yeah, sure. I mean, like th- that, that there's a lot of golems around uh, in in different in Minecraft we have golems golem? too. Golems. The, you know, it, why did she I, instantaneously know? Oh, you made a golem instead of like. I assume that this is a term within cyberneticists or yeah. within. Like, I, I believe that this is something that's already known because she already knew that this was a synthetic that is supposed to take the place of an organic, and asks if he's working on mind transference, and he says he's close, but he needs her help to finish. So we also find out that he is, you know, he's towards the end of his life he's getting older and is intending to put his mind inside an organic synthetic being Mm -hmm. which i thought was pretty cool outside sutra is talking to soji and in mid-conversation we find out that she's trying to convince soji to uh, entertain a certain course of action uh she says that the alternative is to defend ourselves with 23 orchids one ship an old man and a few friends with phasers mm-hmm. uh, which i thought was pretty solid so we know that they can in two days grow 13 orchids not enough soji uh, suggests that they get everybody on the La serena and just leave um but she uh Sutra pushes back and says, we're not running. If we run, they're going to keep chasing us. Like we're going to make the stand here. Uh, I have to imagine that the course of action we find out later is that they want to contact this synth federation. Right. Suddenly, Narek is being escorted into the colony by synths and he is Mm -hmm. 
wounded and uh, he looks you know, rough. He does look rough. <laughs> Sutra says, "Look what the cat dragged in." As we get an immediate cut to Gerardi inside the, the colony building with an orange cat. Yeah, Rio Spot too. Gerardi, yeah. who her friend is, introducing Spot too. Yeah, that that was the perfect name, and it looked exactly it looked exactly like it Spot. Was I thought it was perfect. Awesome. I was oh, like, oh, nice Aw. pun, Hattie. Yeah, what? Perfect. 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 <laughs> <Whoa>. Excellent. <laughs> Rio says uh, he's heading back to the ship to try and repair it. Agnes says she's going to stay there for a bit and kind of wants to help. I'm now going to refer to what happens between Rio and Gerardi as Rio-com. I as like it. As opposed to Rom-com uh, because they have a very sweet kind of moment. They speak some Spanish to each other. He touches her face but hovers first and waits for her nod of consent and then touches her face. He's all about it, consent. He's a modern he, man. Well, I and, love Rios. Yeah, he's great. But also, you know, because she just went through really two really uh, disruptive True. and emotionally draining uh, mind melds. I think anyone touching her face now is a little bit triggering and I think he knew that and I thought PTSD. that was really sweet. Yes, right. very much, Joel. <laughs> Just like right now, don't touch your face and don't touch exactly. anybody else. Exactly. <laughs> Ask. <laughs> right. But if you think about it, there was a lot of face touching in this episode. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a reoccurring theme. It's mm-hmm. sending like the wrong episode. message to, to those of us who are not sure supposed is. to touch faces because <laughs> B- Picard's face gets touched a lot and, and, yeah. and now Gerardi's face. Wrinkles yeah, I, and Yeah, like like the last episode, the episode before, vomiting was a reoccurring theme. Yes, now, vomiting now happens. Now face touching. Except face touching happens more than the vomiting. Yeah. So far, before Rafi heads <laughs> to the ship, she says, <laughs> that's fine. Oh, wait, no. Uh, outside, Arcana is talking to Rafi and Picard. She gives them a very alien looking prop. Looks like maybe like an alien phone or something. She ocarina. Says it, it does look like an ocarina. Yeah. She says, here you go. This fixes things. So Rafi asks how, and Arcana says, you have to use your imagination. I have a theory about this thing. I think that it is uh, an AI style tool that you do like touch it. And then ask it to do things, and mm-hmm. it kind of does it for you. That's well, my theory. I remember I made a comment when I was watching it. I said, "Well, if I had that, I could fix my hunger anytime I want." So you just point at it, point at your stomach, and say "sandwich," and it's done. <laughs> it's just yeah. in your stomach yeah. already. <laughs> Before Rafi heads the ship, she says to Picard that she's breaking the rules and hugs him. Uh, he is very amusingly resistant. And he says, "Rafi." <laughs> Like, what are you doing? Don't touch me. Social distancing. There's no crying like, in baseball. Right. Yeah. Oh, poor Tom Hanks. Uh, but she slowly thanks. But she slowly fine. gets to the point. She says, I just, you know, I need to thank you for everything. And then finally says, uh, you know, I love you. Don't worry. I'm not expecting you to say it back. And he says, good. And he starts to walk away. But then he turns back and he does say it back. And he says, I love you too, Rafi. Oh, it was a beautiful moment. We Have we, we ever heard Picard say anything like that? Never. Never. He didn't even say it about Data when when Soji asked him, like, did you love Data or whatever? Like, he couldn't even really say it about that. So, interesting. You know, his brain's breaking down. So, there you go. He finally has feelings. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And he he and Rafi are going back to the ship. Gerardi, Soji, and Picard stay at the colony. Picard is now in what I thought was a colony office, later revealed to be Maddox's quarters. And he is sending a message to Starfleet Command, but there is no answer. He is saying Starfleet Command requesting, you know, a direct line. There is a first contact situation and an an impending Romulan attack, uh, which is a lie because it's not a first contact situation, but that's fine. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, I would say it is. I would say it is because they have landed now on this planet. Right. This is a planet that that the Federation has not been on before. It is a 
I would argue this is a new species of life, a new kind of life in that it's an, it is an, a synth life that they're all intelligent. They're all fully conscious. They're reproducing through the means that they reproduce, mm-hmm. which is to build new, build new ones. This is a new civilization and okay. i think it is first contact yeah, and i'm gonna i'm gonna like to say why you're wrong there yes was, there was already but there was already like a human on there does that so that does that still make it first contact or they Joel just already... hit the nail on the head <laughs> okay here's why you're wrong one they already had first contact beautiful flower and Jana had first contact now it oh, could right. it's suppressed and it's classified but it already happened too if i go to a planet and make a bunch of robots it's an earth colony it is started by a a federation citizen this is not a first contact just because he created these things and it's not like we've never seen them before like the people know what synths are i'm sticking with my answer (laughs) that's fine you can be as wrong as you want to be i think i'm with with keith on this yeah all right right. i'm staying neutral uh, uh, I put a note here that O is probably bo- blocking all communications from the planet. Oh, yeah. That's my guess. Uh, because he is not being able to get through to Starfleet, which seems like something you should be able to do. Cut to Narek in a makeshift brig or a cell with a force field. He Now, I, I thought it was Arcana guarding him, but it's Arcana's twin, Saga. And he is asking Saga, uh, keep, who is keeping watch over him in the cell, if he will grab her, so, grab him some water from his backpack. And he is acting like a wounded animal, saying he's thirsty, but he's obviously manipulating her. Oh, yeah. He, he asks if this is how they treat all their prisoners. She asks, how do Romulans treat their prisoners? <laughs> mm-hmm. And he scoffs and says, let's change the subject. Right, he's like, that's was not amazing. Good. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is manipulating her as you know, uh, trying to get, trying to get her to open the force field as she's about to open it. Soji stops her and says, "Stop! Don't trust a single thing that comes out of his mouth. Every word's a lie." Narek immediately jumps into Soji. I love you, Soji. I'm so sorry. He's like trying to manipulate her, and she's like, you know, like I'm not buying any of your BS. Leave it alone. Uh, and then they they have kind of have this kind of standoff, uh, in, like almost face to face in the force field mm-hmm. and he says i love you and she replies i know and i <laughs> screamed because i've never seen such a blatant star wars reference in yeah. star trek in my entire life yep i thought that was, they're in the writer's room definitely all giggling to themselves they couldn't help themselves <laughs> i love you i know uh, and then she remarks that uh, he absolutely disgusts her because, yes, you are like this vile creature. You do love me, but like, like you don't really know what that means. And she's like, I, it's, I'm disgusted more in myself for having any pity for you. Then Narek says, no, I pity you because the Romulans are about to rain fire. And she says they definitely won't, uh, which makes me think that that's the moment she decided that she is going to be on the side of like calling the synth. Right, better. right. Yeah. Right. Saga says that she'll have food and medical care brought to him as he eyes her sharp and pointy brooch. Mm. And you know what I noticed is just kind of more of a visual cue is that, you know, Narek and Soji were always on the cube. It was very dark. It was very, you know, moody and everything. But now Narek's on this like bright light planet. It's like he's being seen in the light now and like seen for what he truly is. And Soji is no longer. Yeah, I know. So that's what I was thinking. Are you sure you weren't a lit major in college, (laughs) Hattie? Because that's a really nice reference. I had very rigorous uh, English lit in high school. Nice. (laughs) 
Nice. Uh, Picard inside is still trying to reach Starfleet Command, but he is having a, re- a lot of difficulty. It's just static. Soji walks in, and him and her have this little debate over sacrifice and death, which starts getting intercut with other things. But the the, the crux of it is she she's trying to figure out if there is a logic to death or sacrifice. Like, can you like do the needs of the many really outweigh the needs of the few? Uh, you know, like, is it okay to kill a small amount of people to save a lot more people? Uh, and, you know, Picard is, like, very taken aback and not, like, in this conversation, but he's trying to, like, indulge her. <clears throat> uh, Narek is picking at a hole in his pants in his cell, which is, like, uh, you know, like call back to, like, he's always fidgeting with something. Right. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got ADD and he's a, little, he's a little fidgety. I mean, he needs his fidget cube and they took it from him. Yeah, yeah he's picking at individual threads someone, in his pants. Someone give this man a fidget spinner. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Sutra comes up, uh, tells Saka to go take a break that she wants. And then she, as soon as Saka's away, she opens an Eric cell, goes right up to him. Uh, Picard, cut back to Picard and Soji still continuing their debate. Um, they're, now they're talking about Gerardi killing Maddox. Like, you know, like Gerardi knew that was the right thing to do, but it was because of the admonition. So it wasn't. So, like, what does it all mean? Soji postulates that all killing boils down to fear and that it might be the only way to survive. Picard asks Soji, what is going on? And then we uh, cut back to Sutra talking to Narek, uh, and she's like, I really want to kill you. And I was afraid my want to kill you would outweigh as much as I need you, but it's not going to, and I need you. Do you want to get out of here? <clears throat> cut back to Picard and Soji, where we hear a scream, and they run out, and outside the cell, Soji runs into the scene of Sung holding a dead saga in his arms, broached through her eye. And blood streaming down, which means she is not an android. And I thought this was like a mix of androids and organic sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she's got blood, which means she's probably just a bronze skinned golden eye synthetic. That's my right, guess. Right. He's, he, it's almost in a bizarre way. Sung's just like, your perfect eye. What did he do to your beautiful golden eye? I know. Right. I thought that was such an odd comment, yeah. you know? Yeah, oh. that, that made me feel like, honestly, a little uncomfortable what, the, the thing like, that, well go ahead i'm sorry because like it, it he he i feel like his character kind of is weird to me like he his character makes me feel weird i don't know why yeah but you know actually, your gut, joel your gut is starting to develop uh-huh. i think you're right gut feeling that he is a bad guy and you're right <laughs> because they're all all the songs are a little crazy yeah mm-hmm. and the fact that he <clears throat> what i think this was showing or what i took it to mean was that Yes, I'm sure that he sees the the synths as alive and life forms and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it struck or me art. that yeah, these are it's it's like someone screwed up the fender on your Mustang. Right, you're, you're like, like this was a classic Mustang. I can't believe the fender yeah. screw. It wasn't like it wasn't like you were. It, he saw it as a as a component. There's no emotion, right? In yeah, the like fact the way of, he was talking about it. Maybe sounded, he's already an android. Yeah, like it sounded like that something. It was like something he owned and someone heard it. Like what do you do? Like this was. Like, look, you screwed up, like, the beautiful wood. You chipped it or something. Right, it right. sounded like he was talking about something. I mean, that's Instead of a person. That's 100% yeah. what's happening. Well, and I just want to say, too, I, he, the way he, when he, back when he was talking to Gerardi about um, her killing Maddox, he's very matter-of-fact about death and life and everything. He was like, well, you killed him. He was this friend. But you know what? Why don't you uh, help me create life and, like, uh, even, totally even the score? Totally manipulating her. And it was just, it, I, it felt very... If he is a human and 
he did work with Bruce Maddox, then wouldn't he have had more emotion about that instead of just like, eh, we can trade a life for a life, you know? No, nope, because he thought was much was a fanatic as the Romulans are. Right, like, that's he's true. all about the mission of making a more perfect sin. Right, right. Everything's amazing. <laughs> uh, in the courtyard Sutra is giving a very fascist style speech to all the other synths about organics and their need for action Picard walks up and is confused uh, but Sung lets him know about the higher synthetics watching them he's like they're, and this is where they drop the bond so everyone knows there is this other federation um, and that there are very specific subspace frequencies needed to contact them. Uh, and those subspace frequencies are inside the admonition. Sung and Sutra have designed a beacon to summon them, I guess in a very small amount of time. And Picard is absolutely aghast. He's like, you cannot do this. Sung says he doesn't want any more of his children to die. And that this new federation, and I think this is a very important thing that they, they glossed over spans galaxies. Mm. so all of star trek takes place in one galaxy it's very rare like for them to like be shot off to another one and then brought back but if this new synthetic federation is so advanced and so big that they can jump different galaxies that's a good explanation for why we've never seen them right well i i think they yeah i think they have gone out of the galaxy like once or twice yep. in tng it happens but, every yeah. once in a while but like nothing to where they've explored and seen things going on there yeah. uh sutra says the all-new synthetic federation doesn't just seek out synthetic life it moves to excise it from oppression saying that now all organics are a threat to them right all Picard, organic life yep picard makes an impassioned speech to try and get them to stop um from calling down this new force against the organics because it's going to be this big war between the Romulans and the synthetics. He wants to keep themself and he's like, get on the La Serena, help me go. Uh, I will be your advocate. I will save you. The Federation will listen to me. And Sung points out in a very mocking way, he's like, no, they won't. Right. You right. can't get them to listen to you for anything. They wouldn't help you save the Romulans. How are they going to save someone they really hate like us? And also, um, he's like, your grandiose speech is going to affect my children really adversely. It's like, because your, your pomp and your circumstance is something they've never experienced before, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. They, you know, he's like, they, they don't, they haven't experienced anything like this before. So right, we they'll all, just uh, believe you. Right. Right. Now. I also think that that is part lie because I think that he knows that because they all have a little, little data in him, uh-huh. that they're all going to be inclined because they have love for him to believe what he says. Interesting. And maybe he's a little jealous. Like he knows that everything, like, like they may not love Sung, but they love Picard and right. they'll listen mm-hmm. to Picard. Right. So he says, I'm going to have to put you uh, on house arrest because you're just going to sow rebellion. Right. Like he just, uh, they basically said like, we can't have you wandering these halls influencing uh, right, our people stuff. and mm-hmm. yeah, get out of here. Right. Well, which makes me th- go ahead. Oh, I was going to say Sutra's speech also really reminded me. I mean like everything she was like, we have to uh, excise the, you know, organic and everything. I was like, this sounds straight up Borg to me. I mean, mm-hmm. straight oh, yeah, up, totally. like Absolutely. we have to get yeah. rid of anything that is not us. I definitely right. agree yeah. with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I also have to imagine that, uh, you know, if Data's neurons are making them, that some are more Data and some are less Data. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Sutra, obviously, she's, like, you know, borderline evil. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, where Arcana seems very childlike and full of wonder. 
uh, so I have to imagine there's different parts of data and different people are more or less of him. And he knows that if he can get enough of the quote unquote data style ones with him or the ones that are made more of data, I think he knows that it's just become like a synth civil war. Uh, he turns to Soji. She's basically on the side of Sutra says, uh, I'm not going to help you. And that I'm not going to let you turn the synths into your redemption. The way you tried to turn the Romulans into your redemption. Interesting. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Gerardi asks uh, Sung and company if he they will let her not be in house arrest, but keep working on transferring Sung to the uh, to the other to the to the Gollum, saying that she owes a debt. And then Sung points out that Gerardi is the closest thing that they have to a mother, which I thought was pretty cool because yeah. all the sense. Right. Now right. I think that's confirmation that they were all made fairly recently. They were all made with Maddox. So Maddox and Sung together made all of them. This is not like necessarily a lifetime achievement this is in the last 14 years that sung and maddox have made these mm-hmm. uh these sense so like they're all kind of teenagers in a way which is something that was said of that Riker said of soji in an earlier episode is like you're kind of dealing with a teenager, with a teenager though, right <laughs> uh soji says that if you're really our mother that you die for us like are you gonna die and don't lie because i'll know she says that she would die for them and they take her at her word reading her bio functions because they can do that Mm -hmm. uh so i i don't know i I think gerardi is actually like gonna help picard i think so too i think she was like uh i should not be locked up because um these reasons and so yeah just don't lock me up quite yet (laughs) because she can be pretty deceiving yeah it's happened a couple times right so uh, Picard is taken away to go be under house arrest and then we see a shot of a Romulan bridge with a Romulan bridge commander uh, asking how far out they are from the from the world uh, someone responds 24 hours and then as we pan out we see lots and lots and, and lots, lots of Romulan warbirds which are all very tiny which is interesting like when you I think Romulan warbird I think TNG right and the, the Romulan yeah. warbird yeah the Romulan warbird is bigger than a, a, a galaxy class starship right by like by a, a fair amount, they're supposed to be these huge hulking things. I guess all those are retired, and they started building these like svelte, like sleek, right. mm-hmm. you know, like crank them out and make some like overpowered, kind of like how their snake heads are. Right. So I think these are very powerful light ships. Now, question for you, yeah, Dan um, and I have a, a an uh, argument. Well, <laughs> sure. and, and you might be able to settle it. You you mentioned that it was a Romulan commander um, piloting that, saying how much long, how, how are we there yet? Um, <laughs> Hattie thought that that was Commander O. It looked o. like Commander O. I thought it was Rizzo. You're saying it wasn't neither. Oh, I wasn't paying attention enough to know one way or the other. <gasps> okay, right so into not, it. Joel, yeah, who did you think it was? Who did you was? think it was piloting? And remember that last shot? Yeah, I couldn't really tell. You couldn't okay. tell I, I, I don't know. I'm open to either. All team right. ha- I'm, Hattie I'm or Team Dan? <laughs> pulling up the episode on my computer. Hold on. Yeah, go to that last, <laughs> yeah, last freeze shot. Freeze that frame, man. Because it kind of starts zoomed in, and I recognized her ears, and I was like, "Oh, they're those classic ears." Oh, Commander O. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's Commander O because I think she's is it Commander doing, Lieutenant. What is she? Commander? She's Commander okay. O. Yeah, I don't think it's her because Commodore. Com- Commodore, thank you. It was Commodore O. Yeah, it's Commodore. Yeah. Commodore O. Commodore sixty O. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Joel. <laughs> Uh, Boom. I didn't think it was her because I feel like she's got too important work in her undercover job in the Federation to I be out piloting like a ship. She was like, uh, remember she did some sort of call. She's like, Picard's requesting all this stuff. I'll go do it. And then she was okay. like, okay. <laughs> right? Dan, or did I make that up? That, like the whole reason for her going into Starfleet was, was to, to get infiltrate for this, to, for this yeah, point. Yeah. 
good point. Okay, but you've got a freeze frame there. Who is it? No, hold on. I'm I'm going through the ads. No, oh, yeah, because uh, it makes you with yeah. Hulu, it makes Brad. you skip the things. So or not in CBS, yeah. CBS. I should have paid the extra couple dollars for the no Please ads. Pay for it, Keith. <laughs> I know. It's not that time is money, man. Well. So what 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 are your predictions for? Yeah, let's do predictions Arca- while he scrubs. Uh, in Arcadia Ego Part Two, which is next week's episode. Man, I mean, I think, I think it's going to be mostly battle, or or a large part of it will be battle scenes. I hope so because the mm-hmm. couple battle scenes we saw between the La Serena and the Snakehead were just awesome i was gonna say i wanted to mention that, that ship is fast rios yeah. and the way he was piloting and like flipping upside down I, I wrote down like rios is driving that thing real good yeah. like he's yeah. got this and it was the first time he got to kind of show off to picard show off to rizzo yeah, what i mean what um, he's Rafi. made of yeah, yeah it was cool i agree with you you know i think what we're gonna see is um you know here's the interesting thing i almost think of that um what, what do we call the admonition, right? Admonition, yeah. I feel like in a way for, for synths, the admonition is almost like a, like a, a software update for them. Right. Like oh. if, a, if a synthetic being sees this, they are changed just the same way that humans or Romulans who are not supposed to see it are changed. Like a download. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, yeah, we, we've got a new firmware update for you. It's like this changes everything. All of a sudden you see it and you're like, uh-huh. Okay. No, uh, organic life, bad since good time to phone home. But they didn't turn on soon. Do you think, I mean, he is organic He's on their side. Yes. But still I was like, they said all organic and I was like, okay, yeah, and, being a and little, maybe, I don't think their father like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's grandfathered in, fathered in, ha, ha, ha. in, in this case. <laughs> but I think the fact that he's his goal and there's a, he could be a whole separate conversation, but I feel like his goal was to become an Android and yeah. in, in a reverse of data who oh, was an Android who wanted to, to be a you. man. You now have a man who wants to be an android boom hold up hold up hold up also imagine him being neglected as a child because his father is preferred i think you won that one perfect sense father do you finally love me i'm an android yes (laughs) father why uh that is commodore o on the ship by the way nice hattie wins hattie please ring the celebratory bell Ah. that you have won all right. Yay. They specifically refer to her as uh, uh, as Commodore on the ship, and then looking at her now. CBS All Access. When you pause, it becomes a miniature window, and I hate <sighs> that. But I hate that too. <laughs> I've watched it like seventeen <laughs> times, and that's L. <laughs> All right. Very good. She she got rid of that Starfleet uniform and got into her. Yeah, why waste clothes? time down yeah, there? No. Yeah. <laughs> Whoo. Okay. So we have a big show next week i can't yeah, wait for it that i will not be on you will not be <laughs> on that but i'm glad you were here this week yes. thank you for joining joel us. have You're you welcome. had a favorite episode have you ever favorite part what did you think about seeing Riker and troy again i think that one is my favorite episode just because of Riker and troy yeah that was just so great and i really hope that they could bring back bring back any like other character mm-hmm. i don't know if they will but you like, were asking a lot. Yeah, Where's like, Worf? I, or like I, I want like Worf or like Jordy. or Jordy to be in it. Like if either of those, if either of them are in it, that would be awesome. But I, I don't know. I don't know if they're ever gonna add another 
like character from. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All we know is that Guinan is going to be in that the next season. Yes. But she's the only one that I've heard. Yeah. Do you think we'll see Q? Ever again? No. I'm gonna say no. I would love that, but no. I thought this was. I thought that maybe Q put together the the eight sons and stuff. That but is something he would do. Right. That's I was gonna say it's yeah. something he was powerful he enough has that to do. Kind of power. Right. For sure. So, but I think I was wrong about that. <laughs> All right. What if they brought back? So remember the the guy who was like, uh, who in the original series who uh. Was just like he was a lot, a lot like Q and was doing oh yeah like a, but it turned like out he was just like a child. What if they had like there has been a lot of speculation like, that he yeah. was a Q, um, uh, but, but a young one, a child Q who was a baby Q barbecue. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I just don't think that that's what this is going to be about. I love Q. I just don't think he's going to show up in any of these. Yeah, no. that, that sucks. It's but, too yeah. easy of a reason for everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like there might be some kind of like nod toward him at some point in the show. Like maybe they're talk they might talk about something he did or just reference him in some way, but he's probably not going to be in the show. I think yeah. you're right. I think you're right. Well, uh, we would love to hear the feedback from our uh, most amazing listeners ever. Uh, you can send us an email, Picard at 5x5.tv, or just as good, go to bacard.fireside.fm, click contact, and type your message in that field. Send it to us. Send it to us. We will get it. Uh, if you don't want us to read it on the show, say that. Otherwise, tell us that uh, whatever you want is to tell us. And, or um, correct us. If or... <laughs> you want to use like a code name, a secret name, right. tell us your code name to use. First, yeah, first. Top. But uh, we love your feedback. That's the best way to do it. Even though there's only one episode left uh, to do, we're still going to be doing more episodes of some kind after this. So it does, your reviews really do make a difference. Your ratings on iTunes and reviews really, really make a difference. So if we you like the show, go and do it your predictions for the finale and yes. maybe predictions for season two. We want to hear basically everything, everything. Yeah. And, and like, Hattie, yeah, like Hattie says, I mean, I want, I want this next episode to get the most emails and feedback ever. So everybody, I want to hear from you right into the show. Leave those reviews tweet. If you just, if you don't care if we see it or, or on the show, if you just want to say something that's cool too, but um, man, I'm looking forward to next week. So we'll be back right here next week. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we'll see you all then. Have a good one. Woo.